So this morning I've got a I've got a message and uh, I really contemplated. It. Um, Mike had just told me a few weeks ago, why don't you just preach whatever's on your heart? And I was just like, what is on my heart? So it took me some time and um, and what I decided on, um, I changed. Then I changed again, and then I changed again. Um, but this week I'm excited. I'm going to talk about prayer. And I think prayer is such a vital part of our lives, not just our relationship with the Lord, but our lives. And so I'm, uh, I'm excited to share about it. And I just want to say from the start, there are some people in this room who on the journey of, of prayer, they're so far down the road ahead of me. I see Nieder over here in the corner. Sorry for calling you out, Nieder, but I, I just think of her and she is so far out ahead. I can't even see her on the road of prayer. And, uh, so I, I just want to mention that right off the bat here that I, I don't think I've got a lot to bring <laughs> on this topic. I, I really, I really, um, struggled with that this week of feeling like this was the message and there's so much to say about prayer, but, um, prayer is a journey we walk in with the Lord and I'm just getting started. Um, so uh, I just submit that to you humbly that I just, I don't have this figured out. There's so much that could be said, and there could be some things that I say this morning, and I go back in 10 years, and I say, can we delete that sermon? Um, <laughs> this might be one to get rid of, but um, I do believe that the Lord will, will use it this morning. So I want to I talk about prayer, and I want to start on the really exciting, encouraging note. With all that we know about prayer, this is my encouraging note. Prayer is hard. Anyone encounter that? Prayer is hard. Welcome to church. I'm telling you, prayer is hard. I um I think of some of the some of my personal heroes of the faith, and and some of the greatest prayers that I know. And when I was in college, I was uh, connected to this group called Chi Alpha. And Chi Alpha is actually an international student ministry. So I was there with these guys from all over Africa, Asia, and there was me, white as white could be. And, uh, but it was awesome. And we had a weekly prayer meeting on our campus and we would, we could, we had access to one of the classrooms and we would go in there and our leader, man, he was a, he's a hero to me. And, um, so I, I'm going to do this morning what I do with most of my heroes. I'm going to embarrass him a little bit. So hopefully this doesn't get back to him. His name's Kudzai. Everybody say Kudzai. So Kudzai is from Zimbabwe and he talks like this. And it's actually more like this. And, uh, and he's a passionate, uh, lover of the Lord. And he's just like, you get near him and you just feel like a fire on him. He's one of those guys. And, and so Kudzai would lead us, but Kudzai was a pastor and we had, I'm not sure why he did this. He scheduled these meetings for 11 o'clock on Monday. And if you didn't know, for a pastor coming out of the weekend, 11 o'clock on Monday is a very exhausted time. Um, because he was not getting a lot of sleep Monday nights. And I remember we would go, he had such a heart for prayer, but week after week we would get in this prayer meeting and we'd have a great 15 minutes. And then 25, 30 minutes in, truly I have witnesses to this, Kudzai would be sitting in a chair and he would be praying, Lord, would your fire fall on this campus? And, um, and I'm not mocking him. I mean, he would, he would love this this morning. But, I mean, he'd just be praying and then all of a sudden he would just fall asleep. And whatever he was dreaming would come out of his mouth. 
and and they were good holy dreams right but i mean we would sit there college students and just look you know we're praying and then we'd look over at each other and all of a sudden we realize he's he's asleep and he's praying in his sleep man some of the amazing prayers he would have about the most random stuff but I'm just telling you, even for a guy like that, one of my heroes, prayer was hard to sustain. It was hard to stay in the flow. Even for Kudzai, this, um, this guy that's somewhere up there on my Mount Rushmore of the faith. Prayer was hard to sustain. And I learned that lesson there, but I've learned some really interesting lessons along the way about prayer. Now let's, let's back up. And I want to just start at the very, at the very beginning. What is prayer? Prayer in the most basic definition and true definition is um, communication with God. Prayer is where um, prayer is where we come and we actually communicate with God just like I'm communicating with you right now. Prayer is simply talking to God. And it's, it's more than just talking at God. It's talking with God. That's what prayer is. And uh, prayer is so much bigger than some of what we've made it in the 21st century. I mean, we, so many of us were raised in a house where um, every meal before we would pray, and that's great, it's important, right? But prayer isn't a routine that we do. Prayer is relationship. And as we talk from the beginning about what, what prayer is, I want to go all the way back to the beginning of man and talk about where pray, uh, prayer started. And prayer really began for man and woman in the Garden of Eden. So if we look back at Gen- uh, Genesis, we see this scene that God created in the Garden of Eden. He created Adam and Eve. And this is something that Bible scholars don't totally have nailed down what this looked like. But Adam and Eve, in some way, had a far less hindered, uh, form of communication with God. In Genesis 3, 8, um, this is actually when Adam and Eve had eaten of the fruit and committed sin. Right after that, the, uh, Genesis 3, 8 says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I mean, so think about this. Even in that such a... Turn, turning um, verse for our humanity. Think about this. Adam and Eve could hear God walking in the garden. Imagine the nearness and connection. Why did they have that? It's because God created them without sin. And because there wasn't a sin separation, they were in a, um, a much more, this isn't an appropriate word, but much more dense presence of God. There was a greater opportunity for communion and communication with him. So why do I go back to that? Why do I talk about that pure beginning? It's because of this. You and I, man, woman, child, were created by God for communion with him. We were made for the glory of in honor of God and who he is. That's why he made us. That's why we're here. If you ever have the question of, why am I here? Why do I exist? That's the answer. You were made for the glory of God. And you were made for communion with him. So when we take a step back and say, what's our purpose? Prayer and communication with God 
is the form in which we enter into the purpose of our created being. I want to say that again. Prayer is the form of how we enter into the purpose of our created being. It's a big thing. Some other aspects of prayer, and, and, and I should take a step back. Really, my title today is The Power of Prayer. I want to talk about the power of prayer in a few different ways. When we pray today, we're not praying just for today with the purpose of connecting with God here on earth, and then we're going to go on to heaven, and then there will be no more prayer. Think about this. If we're going to go, and if we've given our lives to Jesus and we're going to be at the end, and we're going to walk into eternity, what are we walking into? Communion with God. See, prayer today is us knocking on the door, knocking on the door of eternity. And it's a beginning of what we're going to do for eternity. Communion with God, talking to God. We look at Revelation chapter 4, um, like we like we sang this morning, there are elders and, and living creatures around the throne, and they're just talking to God and singing praise to God over and over again. Uh, St. Alexander actually said, and I'm not sure this is um, the most factually accurate quote, but he said, those who sing to God pray twice. <laughs> I don't know if that really makes a lot of sense, but um, I thought it was it's really interesting, right? That our singing is actually prayer to God. We're actually talking to him. So our eternal activity will be communicating praise and our glory and honor to God and talking to him and with him. I want to I want to just this is my one spot today. I just want to make you aware of a potential trap in the church. A trap in the church of prayer. And it's this, we've got to beware of the trap of believing that God's primary purpose for communicating with us is to change our circumstances on earth. Now, God loves to step in, and we're going to talk about that. God loves to step in and change our circumstances. But our primary reason that God made us to communicate with him was not to change our circumstances, it was to change us. God created the communication for us to be changed, to, for us to be made more like him. Think about it. He made us in his image. His desire in communicating with us and us talking to him isn't to change the things around us, although that's important and it matters to God. He wants to change our hearts. He wants us to be able to go back to that garden paradigm of relationship with him. So what I'm trying to connect, right, is, is this regular act- activity that we do in prayer and Go back and connect it to why God made us. It changes the way we pray, right? When we know that we're made for this. So, prayers for eternity. That's number one. Number two, prayers for today. Uh, The power of prayer for today is this. It's that God's mighty power is demonstrated with uh, incredible correlation to our prayers. God's power will be, uh, will come into being through the prayers of His people. This is one of the most challenging things for me to understand is that, um, if God's supreme and if God's will will be done on the earth, why does He need me to pray? <laughs> why does God need me to pray? I, this is one of those things that I just say, I don't understand this yet. I don't have this figured out of why God would need me to ask something. If he already knows what's going to happen and he has all power and authority. 
It, it's a perplexing question to me about God and his nature. But here's what I do know. When we look at the promises of Jesus and the promises in Scripture, what he promised us is that he will, there's some correlation that when we pray, God will act. So I want to look at a few verses in this just to build up our faith in it. So Mark eleven twenty four, 24, uh, this is Jesus talking and he says, Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. What a promise. All things you pray and ask, believe that they're granted and it'll be done. That's incredible. James 5. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So James is saying, when you pray, things will be accomplished. And then 1 John 5.15. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. So John's saying, if we believe that he hears us in whatever we ask, we can know that whatever we request um, from him will be done. I mean, let's take a step back. Jesus is saying that if I pray for something, and if I prayed in faith, it'll be done. Now, there are some thoughts going through your head right, right now. I want you to hold them. So whatever is coming to your mind right now, unless it's about lunch, I want you to hold that thought for a minute. When I say, when a prayer will be done if you pray it in faith, I bet you've got some questions coming to mind. So hold that. Just hold on to it. We're going to come back to it. Then the greatest teaching on prayer that I know of, or I should say has impacted me in Scripture, is in Matthew 6. And a few of the uh, Gospels record this. And Jesus had a time when he was teaching and preaching and his disciples came to him and said, Jesus, will you teach us to pray like John the Baptist taught his disciples? This is what Jesus said, a real simple prayer. He said, pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And hallowed means revered as holy. So they're saying, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, raise of hands. Who here has heard that prayer before? Across the room, almost every hand raised. We've heard this prayer. I want to read it again. And I want you to listen as if you have never heard it before, which is impossible, but I'm going to ask you to do it. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, a few things I want to note here. When Jesus prayed this prayer, Jesus didn't tell the disciples, now, every time you pray, you need to go away for one hour and pray this prayer over and over again. He didn't say that. Matter of fact, um, when 
when uh, when this was recorded in the gospel, even in the gospel written in Greek, which is the most proper form of language that these guys knew how to write in, when they wrote this, they actually wrote this in um, Aramaic. And Aramaic was a language that was very casual. So when Jesus told them to pray, he told them this in a form that was very casual, and that's how the gospel writers recorded it. Of This is a very casual prayer. I mean, if you look at this, this isn't that many words. It's not even that deep or it doesn't even sound that intellectual. Probably because we've heard it so many times. So Jesus gave us this instruction how to pray. Now, I want to explore a dynamic here that I've really struggled with. Um, And that's a dynamic of praying really specific on one side. And then coming over and praying, God's will be done. Some of us have struggled with this. I've really walked through this and, and been challenged to understand, God, why do I need to pray specific prayers? Why do I need to ask something specific when I could just throw up a prayer, your will be done? Then I also have the question, God, if I can just pray, your will be done, why do I need to ask specifically? It's the same question on two sides. And, and I want to talk about a, a dynamic of this. And uh, who here remembers a seesaw? Who here has ever been on a seesaw? Who here has been on the receiving end of a partner dropping off a seesaw? Yes. I don't see these at parks anymore. Do you guys? I, I just don't see them. Um, I guess they're too dangerous. I don't know. They're just, they aren't out there as much. Maybe some of the schools around here still have them, but I haven't seen one in a while. And that's because they're a little bit dangerous because they require a balance of trust. And why this morning am I talking about a seesaw? Here's why. When we pray specific requests to God, and then we pray, your kingdom come, like Jesus did, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are getting on the seesaw of prayer. Think about this. The balance of a seesaw is not in the middle, is it? Where is it? It's out on the ends. It's out on the ends. So when we pray, Jesus teaches us to pray this way. He's not praying, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Now recognize, when he prays that, he's not saying something that's, um, that's an example or supposed to be illustrate something. Jesus is praying, give us our daily bread. I mean, give us our meal, Father. He's praying really specific. Then he's going and saying, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I've had many prayers where I've said, God, I, I'm going to pray for this. I don't know if I should be specifically praying for this because I'm not sure whether this is falls into the category of your will or not. Anyone encountered that? that? I'm not sure if this is quite in the box of your will. Now, we're called by Jesus to pray this way. All the way out here, Father, give us this uh, day our daily bread. Lord, would you heal my back? Lord, would you um, provide for my needs? Father, would you give us the income to make ends meet? Lord, would you help my business to be successful? Lord, would you help my kids to grow up to love you, right? Specific prayers. Lord, would you help the Cardinals to beat the Dodgers this afternoon? And see, who's prayed some of those prayers, right? Now, I'm not saying Jesus is saying pray for that, but I still do. 
It's not working very well right now. And, um, but then at the same time, get out here on the other side of the seesaw and it's not weak. Listen, it is not weak to say, God, your will be done. Sometimes in the church, we've made, well, if you pray, God's will be done, right? It, we do this posture of, well, God, your will be done. Um, I don't know what you want to do. Listen, that's not what Jesus is praying in the Lord's Prayer. And it's okay to pray like Jesus did. We're praying specific, but also to come over and say, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's where we align with God's heart. Am I making sense this morning? Both sides, all the way out on both sides, not halfway. Because if, if you drop one off the end, where's your seesaw going? You're going on your butt, all right? You're falling down. If you don't pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, and you just go over, I'm going to pray these specific prayers, <laughs> you've dropped off. And your specific prayers are going to wham. Now, I'm not saying God won't use prayers that when we don't have a proper understanding, right? But, but I'm telling you that we are created to pray out on both ends. Does that make sense? Now, within that, and I know I'm going a little all over the place, but I'm going to get focused here in just a minute. <laughs> within that, when we talk about prayer, I want to point to one other thing, and that is prayer technique. Everyone say technique. Who here has heard some wonderful prayer techniques and some of them we've done and others of them we've been like, that is high, lofty, maybe I'll try it. We try it for a day, we quit, we feel discouraged, right? Now here's something I want to make abundantly clear about prayer. Prayer technique is helpful for us, but prayer technique is for us and the technique is not for God. God isn't looking for you to approach him with a good technique. God is looking for you to approach his throne with a heart after him. And sometimes these techniques distract us. They distract me of, man, if I don't get st- start praying at the right time, if I don't pray for enough time each day, um, and I, I'm a rule follower, so I think I've, I just got to nail this, otherwise I'll just be discouraged. But the technique I have to remember, it's not for God. It's just to help me. So when we're exploring prayer techniques, we don't have to get it all right or else we won't be able to approach God's throne in grace. That's not the, that's not the purpose of techniques. It's for us. It's just to help us approach God's throne and to do it well in a way that we can do it, um, full of faith. So that's my last ramble. But then I want to get really real with you guys. And um, when Casey came up and gave her word this morning, I was just blown away by the fact that it was exactly where, I'm, where I want to talk in this sermon today and where I want to land. When Casey came up and said, um, some of us have had times where we didn't know that God was good or we didn't believe that God was good. And it just hit me uh, right in the heart. I just took a step back and I was like, Lord, what are you doing this morning and what do you want to do? There's a side of prayer that has been a struggle for me. I just confess it to you guys this morning. It's been really challenging for me. And I know right now, even in this season in the church, it's been really challenging for some people. 
and I want to approach it, and we don't approach it often, and that's the challenge of an unanswered prayer. The prayers that we pray, and we look at the promises of God, and God, and Jesus said, if you pray in my name, it'll be done for you. And we go and we lay out our hearts in faith. I don't, I don't want to, my goal today isn't to get specific, but I mean, we look at some of the recent happenings here in this body and the people we've prayed for and the diagnoses that have happened and the pain and heartache. And we pray. I know this is a praying church. We pray. And we pray in faith. God, would you heal? God, would you restore? And we've seen unanswered prayers. I'm just telling you guys, for me, this has been hard. This has been a challenging time. And and I've walked through this before. I want to tell you a story about Jesus and, and an encounter that he had with unanswered prayer. Jesus, the man that we know, um, healed the blind, told the lame to get up and walk, healed the leper. I mean, Jesus had a pretty good healing streak going. I mean, when Jesus prayed, those prayers were answered, right? Yet in Jesus' probably personal darkest time, the most challenging approach that he had in his 33 years here on the earth, the week of his crucifixion leading up to it, he knew it was coming. He knew it was happening. We just celebrated that week at Easter. Jesus went off alone in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Gethsemane means the oil press. It's kind of fitting. And he went under a pressure in prayer. This is in Matthew 26. And he told his three disciples that were with him, Peter, James, and John. He said he was grieving and distressed to the point of death. And he went, he said, stay here and I'm going to go pray. And he went on beyond them just a little ways. And this is what he prayed, knowing that the cross was ahead three, four days later. He said, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Think about this. Jesus, right there, the week of knowing the cross was coming, he got down distressed. The Bible even says that he was sweating drops of blood. I mean, the distress that was in his soul and the stress he was under. And he prayed to the Father, Father, let this cup pass from me. Here stood the most challenging, deeply painful, unanswered prayer that I think a man has ever uttered. Let this cup pass. But what did Jesus say next? Lord, not my will, but yours be done. He goes on. He goes back to his disciples, and his disciples are asleep, and that's a whole other story and a whole other sermon. But he goes, and it says he goes back, and he prays that prayer again. Then he goes back to the disciples. The guys are sleeping again. And he goes back, and he prays it a third time. Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. 
Yet that prayer was unanswered. That request was unanswered. What heartbreak. Even to the point where three or four days later, Jesus was on the cross in the moment of deep, dark, unanswered prayer. Jesus cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I look around this room and I see some faces that I know even recently have had some moments that Jesus had on the cross where you had a prayer and it went unanswered and you sat there and you said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I prayed in faith. We all prayed in faith. What a challenge. I want to, there, there are so many stories, I just want to be sensitive to it. So many challenges that have been here recently, but I just want to, I'm not here to tell you about your story. I just want to share one of mine. And, and um, one of my challenges that I have because I want to stand here in this pulpit and be so real. And uh, it's hard. But I just want to tell you a, a hard story that um, Olivia and I encountered. And I've asked her if it's okay to share this story when the time is right. And she said yes. Olivia and I went through a really challenging, challenging, challenging moment right when we got married. Um, this was 2019. We had just gotten married. It just, it felt like, man, we were doing things God's way. I mean, we were doing it right. Saved ourselves for marriage, praying together before marriage. Lord, we want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in our life. Father, would you use us? We submit this marriage to you. Everything. I mean, it just, we had other people praying for us. It, we thought, man, we're doing this the right way, God. So God, you're going to honor this. Your hand's going to be on it. And it has been. Don't get me wrong. It has been. It's not been easy. And uh, once we got married, and this is such a, this is such a personal decision. Um, I'm not saying this is for anyone here necessarily, but this is what we felt called to do is when we got married, we pray, God, our womb is yours. To bring children into the world, Father, would you use us? We surrender this to you. Give us wisdom in how to carry this out right of bringing children into the world and Dangerous prayer to pray right when you get married. Um, and uh, two months later, lo and behold, the surrender worked. <laughs> and uh, um, we, we were pregnant. And I wasn't expecting it that fast, I'll be honest. Um, and we got married in October. This was December. Liv tells me... Uh, Matt, I, I think I might be pregnant, and, and in the end we were, and the terror that came over my heart, we're 21 years old, I'm going to be a dad, I can't even take care of myself, how am I going to do this? Some of you guys have walked through that process, the guys in the room, uh, and the women, I, I know you walked through this too, but as a dad, you're like, whoa, like, Things are getting serious, I and mean, so it's, it was terrifying, but then it turned to rejoicing. We're having a baby, and some of the most exciting days were going to our family and at, at the Christmas celebrations in December. 
you know, just popping in and saying something like, hey, you know, let's, let's, uh, I don't even remember how we did it. I, I remember one, we were praying for the meal and I just blessed the new baby in the family and no one had any idea what was going on. And that's how I did it. And, and what a party. What an exciting party. And we're buying baby clothes and we're planning, getting, getting ready. And, uh, and we're praying over this baby. God, would you cover this pregnancy? Bless this baby. Because when we pray in Jesus name, those things should be done, right? That's what Jesus said. And we're praying in faith, Lord, would you bring this baby into the world and would this be a world changer? And things didn't go as we planned. And um, one day, Liv just started saying, things aren't aren't right. There's just something off. I, I don't feel right. And, uh, and I'm not going to break down the whole story, but we lost that baby and it was painful and it, it was painful for, for me, but I have to be honest to sit there and see my wife go through that and the pain as a mom, it just broke us. It broke us and, and it led to some, a few difficult months, um, you know, under that pressure, um, Olivia, suddenly, of course, that's the time that Mono comes up, and she's two months, she's just laid out on the couch and just sick. And uh, it was just a really challenging time. And think about that, that's 2019, so we roll into 2020. She's finally feeling better, and then March 2020 comes, and the pandemic hits, and then we're home, and we, we don't get back to life as usual. And... I just, I just want to say, I know my story isn't unique. I know so many people have walked through this challenge and felt this pain and distress that we've felt even recently. And I just found myself there and I said, Lord, this is so discouraging. This is so disappointing. I mean, that's a basic way of saying what I was really feeling in my heart, but I was just feeling such a disappointment in prayer. I didn't want to pray anymore. I was discouraged. Father, you said, pray your kingdom come and your will be done. How could this happen? There was real heartbreak for us. There were so many lessons in that time that we learned about God and who he is and our relationship to him, but To close this morning, I want to just talk for a minute about dealing with the disappointments of our prayer. In the life of a believer, I can witness this. We will have disappointments in our prayer. And they are deeply painful. And they're real. And they hurt. But how do we respond to our disappointment? How do we come out of a deep, dark time? There are a few responses that we can have. We can get tired. We can just get exhausted of prayer. And man, I was there. I didn't see the results that I thought we would have had. And I still don't understand it. And in my heart, and I just, I confess this to you guys. The last few years since this time, 
on that balance beam, it has been so hard for me to get over on this side and pray specific prayers. It's become almost easy at times to pray broad prayers because I don't want to encounter the specific prayer and have that crisis of my faith over and over again. Again and again, the disappointment, it it almost, when I'm in the, when I'm just working in the flesh, it just feels scarring. Like I can't go back to that wound. Sometimes we get offended at disappointed, at disappointment in prayer. Or we lose faith. We doubt God hears us. We doubt He cares. Or maybe we even doubt that He's real. And if there's any area of doubt that I've struggled with, it's right here. God, how could this be? How could you hear me? care about me? And how could you be real if these things happen in my life? As a result, if we hold on to our faith through the disappointment, we fear being specific like where I was at. Um, we fear leaning into confidence in prayer and contending for the things in front of us. We hedge our prayers That's where we get into the, well, your kingdom come, your will be done, because I don't want to be so specific and be disappointed again. It becomes a chore for some of us. Then we regress altogether, and we just look back, and suddenly we've stopped praying. We're not praying like we used to. Liv, this is really hard time to ask you for this. Will you come play? I'm proud of you. So we find ourselves there. Yet I consciously know that the only rule to prayer that I have found is to pray and come back and show up again and again. To show up and pray again and again. That's the only rule I've found. And amazingly, that's the greatest rule to relationship, to healthy relationship, is to show up again and again. And if you find yourself a way to come back and show up again. And I just want to have a a moment today. And and I, I recognize in the room I've brought so many things up. And I want to go back to that, that piece in your mind that I had you hold when I said that, when I read that verse from Mark. That therefore I say to you, All things for which you pray and ask, believe that you've received them and they will be granted to you. Here's what I want to invite us to do this morning. I want to invite you to bring that to the foot of the man on the cross who was there dying for us in a moment of crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? the healing that I've had in my heart around the area that I shared of miscarriage and so many more disappointments in prayer. And even this week preparing for this sermon, I wasn't ready for the healing work God wanted to do in me and the refreshing of my spirit and my faith. That the man that we pray to came down to our form walked the earth 
and entered this experience in prayer of a disappointment. See, I don't understand the will of God. I really don't. And there are some good answers out there. And some of them have encouraged me and some of them have discouraged me. And all I really know standing here before you at a young age is this. Is that when I have a disappointment, I can either run from relationship to God or I can run back to prayer and recognize that God gets us. He knows us. Trust is the imprint left by experience. And I know that Jesus has experienced the pain of my unanswered prayer, the disappointment of my unanswered prayer. So I just want to stand together. And if you've got something, I just want to invite you to stand and, and to bring your heart before the Lord. And if you'd like to, just take time. Maybe you haven't approached these painful areas yet, or maybe you've been working through it. And, and man, I just want, so want to bless you if you've been working through this. What a struggle to walk through. We pray to a Lord that knows us. He hears us. He loves us and he walks with us. And we can go back to the garden paradigm and realize God created me for relationship. So no matter what's going on in this broken world, I know that God created me to come and approach him and talk to him. So this is what I want to invite you to this morning is is to is to pray in a place if you feel offense towards the Lord, doubt towards the Lord, or distance towards God. Man, lay that at the cross and, cross and re-engage a new power of prayer. And that power of prayer is a deep, surviving relationship with Jesus. Lord, we thank you that when we have deep wounds, we can still approach your throne of grace. And we can still sing like we sang this morning. And like Casey said, you are good. You are good. Even in our circumstances, even in the brokenness of the world we live in, you are good. Father, I ask in this room that you would heal hearts. Would your Holy Spirit wash over us with comfort today? Would we feel your goodness as we reapproach your throne of grace? Bring our prayers back to you. Father, I ask for a renewed grace to step out and contend in prayer for the things in front of us. Father, would you heal our discouraged and disoriented hearts? And at the same time, Lord, would we pray, your kingdom come and your will be done, even though we don't understand it. Father, that's our prayer. Let's just take a minute to pray before the Lord and sing together.
knows what living is and he's acquainted with our grief. He's a man of sorrow. He understands our suffering. So Lord, we thank you that our healing is found at the foot of the cross. Lord, I pray for those who are in this place and they've suffered great pain and they don't understand. Father, would you meet them at the foot of the cross again? Would you restore the intimacy of asking? Would you heal our hearts? Lord, we thank you that our healing is found in you. And we say today, we trust you, Jesus. Our faith is in you. And we know that our hope is secure within the blood. That's our proclamation today. So, Father, as we go, Lord, would you bless our hearts. Lord, as people walk out of this room, Father, would they sense your peace encountering them. Lord, I thank you that in the end, every tear will be washed away. Father, I thank you that even in the struggle, I've found your joy to be my strength. Lord, would you restore the joy of our hearts and the joy of our salvation? Would you bless us as we go today, Lord? And would you cover this body? Your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today.